Ladies and gentlemen and others, whoever else is listening, whatever else is listening. From whatever planet. Hi, government. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I'm not paranoid. Uh, Hey, welcome or welcome back to JKWD Podcast. You are having an awesome day and awesome moment and awesome life whatever this period of time is for you right now we hope it's awesome uh, and if it's not well the next hour will be <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and then hopefully that'll just carry over for you um kevin how you doing today i'm doing magnificent young man i'm having a a, a great day i've had uh, I had a, uh, I woke up, check this out. I woke up at seven o'clock on my own without the use of an alarm, ready to get, as a matter of fact, I beat the alarm by 15 minutes, got up, went to a meeting that was very, very invigorating with a bunch of really upbeat, awesome people, came back home to connect with our podcast and then got to talk to our upcoming guest, Jessica. And I tell you what, there's so much energy in my house right now. I think Nymo's scared because I'm about to back up their lines with power. Oh, yeah. Nymo's my electric company. Did you? Yeah, well, well, careful. They'll just um, they'll send it back. Well, I was going to say <laughs> they'll uh, they'll just take it as 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 <laughs> as free grid. Thanks, and, for, thanks for the refund. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 And, so anyway, I'm I'm doing good. Feeling good. Love good. It. Yeah. Um, so as you mentioned, our guest today is Jessica Connery, um, who I have known for 20 years. Uh, <laughs> got, a little, got a little hazy right there. It's been a while. Um, <laughs> we go back to high school. Um, she is taking a – she is currently taking a pivot in her life, and she talks about the process of um, – you know, being a creative and then like learning how to not do everything for yourself. That's a lesson um, both Kevin and I need to learn. Um, and, um, you know, now she's, you know, pivoting to something new and she talks all about the decision making process there and about how to make, how she came about this decision and, uh, and all that. And she talks about what the, decision is um we won't spoil that for you because you want to hear this um and you know if you read the show notes you'll get an idea probably but um anyway (laughs) (laughs) maybe i'm rambling rambling again Uh, (laughs) so uh we're brought to you today uh by kettle and fire you want 10 percent off you your order, I was going to say you are order, um, but there's no apostrophe in your here. Your order, as in the order you make, uh, you can you can use code BETTERHUMANHOOD at checkout for 10% off. Now, uh, in case you're wondering what Kettle and Fire does, if you're new to this podcast, you know, this is a company that was founded by, by a couple of brothers. One guy um, 
got hurt playing soccer and the other guy said, Hey, I bet we can speed up your injury recovery with this high collagen bone broth. And it worked and it was delicious. And they decided to box up their bone broth and it makes an excellent just sipping drink. If you want to change from your coffee or tea, Uh, it makes a great base for your homemade soup. They also uh, started making soups. Yeah, I, I know a lot of people are. You know, it, it's just after the new year, and while we, uh, while we tend to preach ongoing goals instead of New Year's resolutions, we know some of you made them anyway, and that you are on new diets. And some of these uh, soups are keto friendly, uh, and they're all healthy. They're all good for you, uh, whatever you're trying out. So, and also it's January, so. Uh, it's probably cold where you are, at least colder than you're used to. And even here in Savannah, it's it's warmer than it is in Syracuse, but it's colder than it will be in May. <laughs> and and we're <laughs> so uh, go to go to kettleandfire.com. That's K-E-T-T-L-E-A-N-D-F-I-R-E.com. Kettle like what you cook soup in. Fire like what you put the kettle on to cook your soup in and use code better humanhood at checkout for 10% off your order. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> we play some music now. I'll shut up. <laughs> On the other side, you, you can hear Jessica Connery. Alrighty then. <laughs> <laughs> You yeah. did, <laughs> but I have spies who watch for for. Uh, I'm not going to say the term I was going to say. Who people just pop in? That's all right. Awfully nice meeting you, <laughs> sort of in person. Yeah, face to face at least. Face-to-face. Yeah, that's it. Face to face, that works. You guys want me to wait a couple of minutes so you can finish wow. up your conversation? No, we never finish conversations. We um never. we will keep going as as long as you give us time. We will talk, and it'll be three o'clock, and you're like, "Are they done yet?" It's, it's perpetual. <laughs> I don't know. What we like to do? We like to talk. Been together and not had a conversation. Yeah. To stop it. So I was just looking at your at your website. Oh, magnificent stuff here. It's coming down. Ah. <sighs> Is it? Yeah. Oh, he told me something about that. Is it like you're not? Uh, what was he? Was it uh, uh, who bride one bridezilla too many or something like that? I guess. Yeah. I mean, you know, with photography, your your heart needs to be in it, right? Right. Absolutely. And Josh and I talked, and I said something to Josh while we were meeting last month, mm-hmm. and then I said the same thing to somebody else a few weeks after that, and then I said it one more time to someone else, and I said okay, I know what I need to do now. So my heart is being pulled in a different direction. Mm -hmm. And for the last six months of 2019, I tried to have one foot in each bucket. Great. And I realized I'm not serving people 
in the best capacity by doing that or myself. Hold on for just one second. Josh, are you setting me up? No, sir. (laughs) Oh. I take it that message resonates with you, Kelvin. Well, yeah, that whole one foot and two buckets thing. Mm-hmm. I got about six buckets. <laughs> so, so I'm like, oh, Josh is trying to set me up. I'm doing no such thing. Conversation this, here. Like, no setups. Like, no. like I, I do not speak for the universe. The universe talks to you the way it talks to you. I, I want. No but part. sometimes it speaks through you. Is that what you're? Yeah. That's what I'm saying. And, and people. So Josh, is, Josh is a medium. He's edging up to large, actually. <laughs> Nothing has any meaning except the meaning we give it, right, Kelvin? Oh, I love you a lot. We are, oh, we are, we are one. We are oh. all interpreting everything, every second, every day, every story, every word is an interpretation. And oh, my God. How we interpret it. Are you on my vitamin K? Am I what? Are you on my vitamin You don't recognize it, so I guess not. Tony Robbins fan, obviously. No, somebody else. Who knows really? Tony Robbins, but a little different. Yeah, I was going to say, you, yeah, you quote Tony Robbins because that I I talk about that all the time. Nothing has any meaning in life except the meaning we do, and I got it from Tony like many many years ago. So, yeah. wow. <laughs> Once I'm I learned fun. that, we haven't even started the podcast yet. We haven't even started yet. Yeah, <laughs> I guess this is going to make it somewhere. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I, I got to tell you. Uh, I have to do something. We have our, we're getting an AC installed today because our air conditioner unit decided to break last week. Um, oh. And the guys are here doing work. So hopefully it won't be too loud. But my dog snuck in here and he will bark while they're working. Oh, I'm gonna, gotcha. I'm going to kick him well, out. You got a dog. He got a baby. Okay, yeah, we're, we're going to hear our dog and a baby, too. So, Oh, yeah, I forgot Say you. Hi, for a second. Hey, Biscuit. Say hi. All right, kicking him out. Yeah, I think our, our listenership has kind of gotten used to <laughs> weird noises yeah. and stuff during our podcast. Cause well, he, when he barks, it's like it goes right in my brain. Oh. And it's like it vibrates around in there, and then it. Oh, it's just loud and sharp. So. Wow. Yeah. So he's out. He's out. I'm, I'm going to have to figure out how much to leave. I'm, I'm the guy who figures out how much, what to leave in the podcast. Cause Josh never goes like, Oh, let's get started. I always got to figure out where he did that like two times. And then he figured that was like too easy. Okay. <laughs> so we just, and then. Uh, and I've got another friend. Well, and then and then we have this thing where like somebody comes in and like the conversation just starts off brilliant. So why right. why would we try to recreate this? <laughs> yeah. So you know we're we're not be we're not as uh, what do you want to call that word? Uh, maybe fine tuned, but we're definitely authentic in most cases. Authenticity yeah. is important. So. Yeah, we're a little we're a little unrefined. We're a little rough around the edges. But. I love it. Perfectly well, I do, imperfect. Yeah. I do have one friend right now who who does a podcast, and one of the things he says that uh, is, "Oh yeah." So his podcast, when he gets to where he's going, he turns on the recorder. So he gets to talk going through the building, and you know we're gonna get here. And the reason is, he said, because we talk about so much good stuff before we yeah. start the podcast. We say, "Let's cover that in the podcast," and we never get back to it. Kind right. of thing. Or, or it sounds fake when you do because now you've got to force the conversation. Yeah. 
Yeah, so they started that. And I'm like, you know, we we could try that sometime, but it would be a really long podcast. Yeah. Um, well, we've done that, you know, conversations you eavesdrop on. And you're like, let's oh, just yeah. talk. And, and that's, um, that's, 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 so, oh, I like that. Eavesdropping. Um, well, that's, what this, uh, that's all this is, right? It's the three of us talking, and, and we're going to put this up online. Um, yeah, so, so we should probably, now that we're so far off the path, we should probably reel it back just just a little bit because um, uh, so I, I, yeah, Jess is here, and Jess and I go back to high school so um, I should probably not do this introduction. Instead, um, you should uh, tell our tell our listeners just a little bit about you and um, what you're up to and what this transition is and what your mission is going forward and how you came about this. Me, okay. Yes, you. Wow, this is a decade in the works. This is a, I turned 40 and felt completely lost in my life and in my goals and what my purpose was here on the planet. And I dove into self-improvement books and personal growth practices. And through all of that, I feel like I have peeled back layers of an onion and finally am close to understanding the core of who I am. I started in photography 10 years ago, actually probably more than 10 years ago, 14 years ago-ish. My son's 13 and I got a camera right around the time he was born and started in that and dabbled, turned it into a hobby, got more and more interested in it and joined a photo club and started competing and really, really liked the creativity that photography brought me into my life. But I had a full-time job, full-time mom, and didn't really go anywhere with it for a while until one person that I worked with asked me to take their portraits and then shoot their wedding. And once I got humans in front of my camera, a whole world opened up for me that I loved showing people what I saw through my lens. And portrait photography became a deep passion of mine for a very, very long time. Every single day, all I wanted to do was improve my portrait photography. I would I would drive someplace and see a field with perfect light and I'd be like, wow, that's pretty. It would be great if there was a person in it. <laughs> and I would see art and feel the same way. So I knew that my calling at that time in my life was to become a portrait photographer. When my daughter was born, she's 10. That was when I really started going for it and started a part-time photography business. And then two years after that, I left my full-time job and started my photography business full-time. And we moved to Florida. Through that, I met more and more people and built my business up and learned the industry in a way that I didn't, I didn't think I could because I, I when you're outside of a wedding industry, I think you you have one thought of what weddings are like and what the people in the industry are like. And then when you're inside of it, you realize there's a lot of stuff that you don't love about it. But you <laughs> learn to navigate that because my personality is I, I, I just want to achieve and I will climb over everything that I need to do in order to do that. So if it was a, a situation of self-worth or not getting along with somebody, I would figure out how to move through that so that I could do the job that I wanted to do, which was provide unbelievable portraits and impeccable wedding photos to people. I did that for a very long time. And like I said, last, uh, I'm almost 42. And when I turned 40, I definitely felt that what am I here for? 
why, why am I on this earth and what am I doing? And started reading books that would help me on that path. And I wound up in a course by a guy named Jim Fortin, who he knows Tony Robbins that you mentioned before. Mm -hmm. And his world opened me up to all kinds of new stuff. And I really started thinking about why do I love portraits? Why do I love weddings? Why have I done every single job I've ever done in my life? And at the core of it all is I want to help people feel good. <laughs> That's that is it boils down to that entirely. I want to help people feel good. Yep. So over the course of the last year, I have started having Zoom calls similar to this one where I'm talking with people about the struggles or the frustrations they're having in their business, even their life. I had a 45 minute phone call with a man in Massachusetts who was meeting with the bishop about a church that had been closed and he wanted to see if they could get the church reopened. And he asked me for advice on how to deal with the bishop of the diocese of Springfield or Chicopee, or I can't remember the city. And I was, I, I thought that's, well, that's interesting. I don't have any clue of the inner workings of the Catholic church. Like how would I possibly know how to help him? But what it came down to was his confidence going into the meeting needed improving. And he need, he had not identified what he wanted as a result of the meeting. He was already anticipating getting shut down. And I, I asked him, what are you getting shut down from what do you want what are you asking for that you think you're going to get shut down from and he hadn't even identified that so i kind of realized at that point that i had a knack for showing helping people identify their blind spots in whatever situation they were having and since i have this decade plus specialty of weddings and portraits i decided that i'm going to go all in on helping frustrated photographers turn their businesses into thriving and profitable entities. And that is where I am now. <laughs> wow. That's awesome. <laughs> so let, let's rewind a minute to those books. Do you, do you have some um, titles you want to share so that uh, other oh, people can sure. yes. do some self-examination here? Absolutely. Okay. So it all started with Jen Sincero, J-E-N. Uh. S-I-N-C-E-R-O. She wrote a book, How to Be a Badass mm -hmm. and Stop Doubting Your Something or Other. Mm -hmm. And I would say that was like my kindergarten level. That was, that was the book that opened my mind up. Wow, there's possibility if I could just get my brain out of this lack mentality and focus on all of the wonderful good things I have in my life, then wow, I could have a, I could have a lot of stuff. I could have all these things that I want. Um, her book started it and then I read Gabrielle Bernstein, The Universe Has Your Back. And that was my dipping my toes into the water of manifesting, learning that you speak your reality into existence and understanding that there's a higher power working on my behalf all the time. And then I found Jim Fortin and he is a transformational, he runs a transformational coaching program and he walks you through 12 weeks of lessons and discovery. And through that program, I learned about an author named Florence Scovel Shin the last name is spelled S-C-H-I-N-N. -N. 
and she was, I guess, the OG motivational speaker. <laughs> um, I think it was back in the 20s or 30s, and she she held workshops and taught people that everything that you say will come into existence for you. And she talks about believing in higher powers and believing that you can manifest what you want in your life and all of, all of these things. So, and then currently I am reading Abraham Hicks, which was written by Esther Hicks, who is, as you know, sort of a, a medium for the collective consciousness and her books on manifesting the law of manifestation and asking is given are currently like my two favorites. I'm listening to them and I'm reading them. We have a similar path to grasshopper. <laughs> I've been through many of those. I've only, I've started in the one Jen Sincero book. I've got, you know, you are a badass. I haven't finished that one. Oh. Uh, I, should, I should move on to you are a badass with money. Yeah, uh, I read both of those. Wow, those are very much. Some of those people you talked about, I haven't heard of. So, Gabrielle Bernstein. I actually, I think I've heard of that that title. Wow. And she That's just awesome. came up with a new one a few a lot months ago in the, in the study room. And and what did it do for you? What was your first? Uh, oh, I don't know. Move towards freeing yourself from the stuff that was dragging you down. My first. Um, becoming aware of the, can you guys swear on here? Can I say a word? Becoming aware of the bullshit in my brain. Just finally recognizing that I was the one holding myself back. I had played the victim card for way more years than I, than I care to even admit. I, I believed that if my husband would just quit his job and come and help me in my business, that we'd make a great team and my business would succeed. I believed that once my kids went to school full time, all of a sudden I'd have all of this time and energy to focus on the things that I wanted to do. And I was ultimately, I recognized that I was one addicted to struggle. And I think that comes from my youth where, you know, just growing up middle child, low income, um, all, all kinds of things. Right. And I was addicted to doing, I was addicted to my task list. I was addicted to getting in my chair every single day and saying, okay, I have 50 things I have to get done today. And that felt like I was accomplishing things. Uh, but everything that I was accomplishing, I was unraveling with the thoughts that were in my head of being an imposter because I didn't feel like I could charge the the money I wanted to charge because I hadn't been formally trained and believing that the industry is so saturated, I'll never be able to stand out and believing that all other people in the industry had it out, you know, to, to be better than I was and to uh, get the clients first. And once I realized all of that was happening in my brain and that I was a, com- I was a victim to my own interpretations and stories And once I could reframe those stories and find the positivity in all of the experiences that I had had growing up, what my struggles were, and apply them in a positive manner to the life I'm living now, that was when I realized I have way more choices in life than I ever thought. Did that answer your question? (laughs) Yes, ma'am. You did a fine fine job. That was, uh, you know... I'm thinking that we are three parts of the same mind here because uh, 
just before we came on, Josh and I were discussing some things. I we just had a great conversation on the imposter syndrome and, and so forth. So I feel like I know you. Mm. Um, and I know I, you know, you got input from me way back when you started your photography business. Yeah. And that yep. was that was cool. So I was excited to to have you come on today and, and meet meet that person because I'd seen your stuff over time and I'm like, oh my gosh. Now from where we're sitting the world sitting and looking at your site and seeing the things you have done done here, I see an incredibly accomplished photographer. You work with people, you do magical, amazing things. Um, you, you pretty much, uh, I mean, and they all love you. Now to say that this thing, which you have pretty much perfected over time is not fulfilling your soul need, that's huge. Mm. That's huge. And I know a lot of people who go through that. Yeah, I'm doing this. It's making me money, but it's not really making me happy. So Hi. what that baby has like the cutest smile on. I know. <laughs> How did you get past it? I mean, you read it, you did it, you heard it, you thought it, everybody was saying things. What was this? What took you over that 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 bump to, to move where you were headed kelvin i would love to tell you i'm over the bump i'm not i'm not a hundred percent over the bump but i know what happened was i i started being really really aware of the words i was saying to other people about what i do for a living and i was I wasn't, when I would say I am a wedding and portrait photographer a year ago, mm -hmm. I, I'm a wedding and portrait photographer. And now when people ask me what I do, I don't even want to say I'm a photographer. That's, that's, I'm pulling away from it so much. And I, there is so much uh, ego, I think, involved in making the decision to pull away from something that you spent 10, 13 years studying. I was, I really was hanging on to it like a safety blanket. Mm -hmm. I felt like uh, I could always fall back on it if coaching doesn't work out or courses don't work out. This is some skill that I have, which it's true. I have this skill for life. I will always be at, in my soul a photographer. I will always look for light. I will always look for composition. I will always look for angles. It's like riding a bike. It is such a habit in me now. I am realizing that I am. I do not have to be defined wholly as being a photographer. I can be a photographer and a coach and an instructor. And I don't need to be just a single one of all of those things. But recognizing that I spent 13 years studying it and then saying to myself, I think I want to move on from this. That is, it, it was shocking to me to even say it aloud when Josh and I were talking. And then people say to me, you're crazy. Why would you, you're so talented. How could you take that away? How could you stop doing that? You're crazy to not be a photographer anymore. But when I think about the number of people that I can help on a larger scale versus one photography session at a time, if my goal in life is to impact people and make them feel good, I need to do it on a larger scale and I can't do that with one photography session at a time. I need to do that in group coaching and group mastermind and group courses. And when I finally got quiet, I meditate and I do self hypnosis. And one of the new practices that I incorporated into my life last year was doing extended periods of silence 
four hours at a time. I did it three times last year. And now my goal for this year is to do it once a month, the first Monday of every month, get quiet for four hours. And when I say get quiet, I mean, do nothing, sit in a chair and stare out the window, no coffee, no water, no eating, no folding laundry, no answering texts, the phone's off, absolute silence. When you get through the first probably two hours and finally get your brain to get quiet, your real truth starts coming through. And I did that last week and my head said, it's done, move on close this chapter in your life and do the next thing that you're feeling passionate about. And what's funny is, do you believe like animal medicine? Are you, are you into recognizing that we get messages from the universe in different ways? And for me, it's through animals. Um, I haven't got any from animals yet, but I, I'm, I'm into okay. it. Yeah. The morning that I decided that I was going to do that, a snowy egret came to my front door basically. And we have snowy egrets here all over Florida I've never seen one in my front yard, but this one came to the front door and I looked up animal medicine and the snowy egret represented closing a chapter and moving on to something new. So (laughs) I said, I knew I was in alignment. I smiled and I laughed and I felt at peace with the decision that I had made. And now it's just a matter of making those steps happen in order to move forward with it. Ah, you have to tell me more about that book you looked it up in. <laughs> it's interesting it's, that people yeah. would tell you that like you're crazy for giving up this thing you've built for 13 years. Because if you had been like working at a bank for 13 years or working as a programmer for 13 years, and you said, yeah, I'm kind of getting tired of it, and I want to do something else, it would make total sense to them. Um like what what is the what is the work of creativity and i mean you people are like oh you're creative that must be blissful but it's it's not it's it's hard work um how did you how did you start and then like build it into actual work i mean it's a i mean it really is a you know, cause that's what it is. It, it, it's a job. It's, it's work. So do you mean like, how did I turn it from a hobby into a business or how did well, I how, go? How from did you, you know, how, how did you make the transition from, um, you know, recognizing that it was, um, a creative thing that you were talented at or that you could learn and grow into, um, talent, um, and turn it into really, you know, what, it, you know, work, which is, mm-hmm. you know, which is the job that, yeah, you know, you're, that you're transitioning out of, but, um, it doesn't start as a job. It starts yeah. as, you know, something that you kind of yeah. train for. And it's a little, yeah, it's a bit of a different thing. Yeah. I think I understand what you're saying. So when I was doing as a hobby, it was fun and it was a passion. And then at some point it became a job and where it was that transition. Um, well, yeah, well, there's that, but there's also, um, you know, there, you know, there's kind of a honeymoon period where you're like, oh, this is a job. I'm getting paid for this. This is yeah. awesome. <laughs> I can do this. And then at some point it's, it's work. You know, yeah. It's not it's just, sure. yeah. It's not well, just actually, Josh, you hit the nail on the head when you said at some point you start getting paid for it. 
when money begins being exchanged for a service, people expect a value that they didn't expect when something was free. And that actually is really important for people to understand in business because when you pay for something, you expect something from the other person, but also from yourself. So I, when I did photo sessions for free to build my portfolio, people didn't show up. They would show up in, you know, they didn't look that great and they they didn't like their photos because they weren't, they weren't putting any value into it themselves for the money that they paid for it. So when I started charging for photography, we both had to exchange value. I would provide the service and they would provide being ready with their hair and makeup done and their outfits ready and everything. And then as I started charging more, the value that, or at least I felt, this was a story and an interpretation in some way, I felt I need to provide more and more and more value to the person who had hired me. And that came in the form of photos that were better edited, not required me to learn more. That came in the form of email processes and making sure that my clients felt communicated with properly. That came in the form of storing their photos. That came in the form of branding and making sure that my business represented the product that I was trying to deliver. And I think all of that is where it turned into work because I was always trying to make sure my client felt like the money they paid for the work I was doing was worth it. So it's all that non-photography stuff. That, I, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I think so. But in order for me to get what I wanted out of photography, I needed somebody to pay me for it for two right. reasons. One like I said, they, they would provide value because they paid money for it. So they provide value by being prepared, by being on time, by being dressed. And I lost my train of thought. <laughs> the value they're providing you for doing that service for them also. Yeah. What was the question Josh asked? <laughs> my um, so it was, um, you know, kind of all the non photography stuff you had to do, um, Oh, yes. Okay. Yes, I got it. Okay. Part two. Okay. So then somebody would easily say, well, Jess, why didn't you just continue doing it for free? If you're fulfilled by doing the creative process, but you don't want to be bothered with emails, you don't want to be bothered with timelines, you don't want to be bothered with people expecting photos on a deadline, just keep doing it for free. And then nobody can have any expectation of you. At some point, you begin resenting the person who's asking for the free work you begin resenting yourself for taking the free work. You begin resenting the path that you're on and then you can no longer provide the, the heart-based work that you wanted to start out with in the first place. So you're always walking, I think in any business and in anything in life, you're always walking a razor's edge between doing this because I want to be creative and doing this because there's an exchange of energy in the form of money for people. And then we're providing each other value. So the two reasons, just to recap, the two reasons that it became work was charging people. And I didn't want to resent the work that I was doing by not charging people. And, and in my case, too, well, I'll, I'll talk about my case briefly. Um, <clears throat> uh, well, no, no, actually, you said it pretty well. Once you actually start charging for it, there is a minimum value like i i expect certain things when i pay for something so once you start charging for it there is a minimum value you need to present to them so because i'm also keenly aware of what they think it should be worth or actually what i think it should be worth if they're paying me that kind of money yeah 
So, and that can, that can be actually a very stressful life right there. It can be. And I, I really, last year, I really sat down actually at the end of 2018, I thought, okay, if what I, what do I do really well? I am really good at taking the photos. I am really good at eliciting people's personalities during portrait sessions. So a hundred percent, I need to be the one creating the photographs. So some people had said, well, if people really like your brand, people really like your editing. Why don't you hire affiliate photographers who will work for you per hour? And then the client still gets the entire experience of planning the session with you and editing the photos and all of that. So I recognized that that wasn't going to work for me because me as the creator was the primary reason my business was in it, in where it was. Then I thought about, okay, email processes. What's easy. What can I delegate regarding that? I can pre-write the emails and I can have my assistant send them and she can do all of the setting up the client and my CRM tool and everything. So I, I handed that off last year and that helped. I would get a new client. I would go through all the steps of negotiating the package and everything. And then she would be the person who sets everything up, collects the payment, puts it on the calendar, sends them the reminder emails because we set it up as a process. That was great. That was helpful. And then, okay, editing. Editing is like cooking. I can give somebody a recipe. There's a few things that, yes, my, you know, the, the, the strength that I put the mouse on when I'm doing the skin retouching or whatever, that, that has something to do with, for the most part, editing can be a recipe and you can batch it or you can hire it out. So I decided to train my assistant and delegate that because editing for me was a time suck that I couldn't tolerate any longer. It was physically hard on me because I'd be sitting there, my neck would be burning, my hands hurt, it's cold in my office sometimes. So I decided, okay, I'm going to delegate that. And part of all of that deciding what I was going to hand off and what I was going to keep came from uh, have you guys heard of the Eisenhower method of time management or, or delegating? I can't remember like no. the whole thing, but it's an Eisenhower thing. Basically, it's four components. You can you can do it. I'm very visual, so I respond really well when I can see things written or colored in or whatever. So I just took a sheet of paper, drew four quadrants. The first quadrant is something that is important and urgent. The one next to that is important, not urgent. The one below that is uh, not important, but urgent. And then other than that is not important and not urgent. So you can probably already tell that bottom corner, not important, not urgent. You need to just not do anything that falls <laughs> into that because that is just completely, uh, it's not going to move the needle in your business. It's not going to feel good doing it. You just got to re- get rid of all that stuff. And then the other two quadrants, uh, important, non-urgent, and then non-important but urgent are things that you typically can delegate. So important, non-urgent editing would fall under that category because it doesn't need to be done the next day, but it has to be done on a timeline. But it's not something I have to do because it's my particular skill or it will make a difference in the value that we provide to the client. As long as the photos are getting edited, they're doing it. So Ultimately, the only thing that fell into that important and urgent category was shooting the sessions and speaking with the clients. And I tried to take everything off of my plate that didn't have to do with that. And it worked out okay. It really did. But then as I started taking the time that I, uh, of the other things that I wasn't doing, when I wasn't editing, when I wasn't writing email processes and setting stuff up into the CRM tool, I began helping other photographers. And I began taking Zoom calls and I began writing emails to people in uh, 
Facebook groups that we were on saying, hey, I saw that you had this problem. This is how I handled it. Try it. And that was where I was like, oh, wait a second. I'm really good at helping people with their businesses. And then I started getting more and more excited about it. And then I taught some courses. And when I saw people have their breakthrough moments of learning photography or learning where they were having a blind spot in their business, that was just like, okay, now I know where I need to go. And like I said, I spent half the year with one foot in each bucket. And now I'm all in. Great. Finally, when did you make that final decision? Uh, that I'm going to put both feet in the one bucket? Mm-hmm. Monday of this week. Oh, it's a breakthrough session for us. January 6th. So it, it's already been started. Like I already started um, writing a new website and writing copy for, um, you know, like the new, the new things that I'm offering. And last year I had created a guide called the Spark Guide, how to go from overwhelmed to organizing your photography business. And I had fantastic feedback from people who downloaded that saying, yes, this is exactly where I am. Um, so there, there's already been like feelers out there and I've already kind of started working on bringing new audience in with regard to providing business tips and organizational tips and mindset tips and all of that. So now it's just a matter of like transitioning that audience over and awesome. Yeah. Awesome. And, and you glow. <laughs> I glow. You're glowing. Yeah, right. So <laughs> having all that happen seems ethereal at this point. <laughs> Either yeah. you set up the lighting just right for your. <laughs> no, I'm just. It, it doesn't look like there's a whole lot of lighting in there. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> the overhead light is ugly. It's like yellow. <laughs> that was awesome. But yeah, I'm, re I'm ready. Like, I. I took three weeks off in December and focused on my kids and just did the minimum amount of work in the business and it felt fantastic. And I had kind of like that, uh, do less attract more vibe going because it felt like the less work I did, the more emails I got for, for different things. And some funny things are coming up. I had, I had this crazy idea on Monday and I, I don't, I'm not ready to share it yet, but I put it into action and it's already, things are already falling into place for it. Awesome. And I don't think I, number one, I don't think I would have taken that inspired action if I hadn't gotten quiet on Monday and also hadn't taken the three weeks to step away from the insanity that is usually running a business. Uh, and I also think that the mindset that I was in towards the end of the year last year, feeling frustrated and feeling like I was struggling with this decision I don't think the results that I'm getting right now would have happened if I hadn't taken those three weeks off because I came at it with clarity. I came at th th this new thing that I am working on. I came at it with clarity. I came at it with confidence. I came at it with um, lack of fear because if it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out. Right. And, and I used to spend so much time wondering how can I make everything I do successful? Mm -hmm. And that was, I'm just, I'm no longer available for that. I am no longer available to say, Hey, I have this idea, but I'm not really sure about it. Now it's get quiet, listen to myself and trust myself. And if that decision sticks with me or, or that idea sticks with me, I'm going to go after it. Great. <laughs> um, no, that, 
you know, it's awesome. Decision-making is one of the hardest things we do. And it's one of the things that a lot of people are really bad at. Hmm. Yeah. Um, and I have some rules for decision-making. If it, when it comes, if it's a decision that has to do with money and I try to get my husband on board with this, but he, he's still resistant to it. If it has to do with money, if something costs less than $500, I require myself to make a decision within an hour. That's it. An hour. A decision has to be made and then I decide and move on and I don't think about the other half of the decision that I could have made. Yeah. It's gone. It's cut off. If something costs more than $500, then I'll, if I need to research it, I'll spend like two hours on it. And then after that, the max amount of time I give myself to make a decision is 24 hours. So that's usually my, that's my go-to. But when it came to my business, which is very close and personal to me, it took me longer to make this decision because I was, I was being swayed by a lot of outside opinions. Actually, I mean, a lot of people, you know, can't even choose a salad dressing. So to <laughs> be able to, you know, to be able to you know, make a decision on, on $500 or, you know, that's your comfort level, whatever, you know, everybody's comfort level is, mm-hmm. um, you know, is another, is another thing altogether. Yeah. Well, there's that whole thing about decision fatigue too, where yeah. if you're constantly being asked to make decisions over and over and over again, by the time you need to make an actual decision about something that's important, your brain's tired and it's harder <laughs> to weigh the consequences and it's harder to, uh, you know, like it's harder to decide. And I've been in that place. I remember two years ago, uh, just as a mom and as a parent, I remember being so decision fatigue that um something came up the kids were both out of the house and my husband was gone and basically i had two hours of complete free time the house was clean my work was done the laundry was folded and put away i literally had nothing to do and i'm not kidding i spent 40 minutes trying to decide what i wanted to do of two hours a very rare free time. I couldn't decide what I, do I want to read a book? Do I want to work out? Do I want to watch a movie? I couldn't decide. I spent 40 minutes spinning my wheels because I was so exhausted from making all kinds of other decisions. So I started working on getting decisions off my plate too. <laughs> well, you know, decisions are, decisions are a big thing. And, um, you know, probably if, if I had one thing, that that I really wanted to improve on it, it would be making decisions. Where do you feel like you fall off with the decision making process? What what makes you say you want to improve on it? Because I don't make many. <laughs> well, I don't make any many intentional decisions, right? I, I weigh a lot of stuff, right. so <clears throat> that can be that can become like you said, it can become really exhausting. And yeah. But, but you do make decisions all day, every day well, that aren't hard, right? Like you decided what to wear this morning. I'm sorry, last part. You make decisions all day, all the time that aren't hard. So you right. You probably don't struggle with decision making. It's only certain decisions you struggle with. And usually there's something emotional tied to it. But like I said, you chose what you wanted to get dressed in this morning. And that was easy. Did you, did you even think too much about it? You're just like, I'm putting these no, clothes. No, no. I don't think. Yeah, or, or what to eat for breakfast. If I have an appointment, like, because I'm I, I go to Toastmasters, uh, something like that, or 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 some other event, but I, I decided that my regular just run around day to day stuff, 
nah, who cares? I got rich friends who don't care what they're wearing. You know, it's like, it's not going to change my life one bit if I show up in shorts right. <laughs> or these yeah. jeans. And, and I've, I've kind of gotten towards more of that. But some of the, you, you know, the more important things like what to give up when you, uh, you like, like in your case in the job, I'm, I'm a life coach. I'm a photographer. Uh, you and I have a lot of parallel things going on here in, in life. I'm a, I'm a speaker. I do all this other stuff. And like when you get down to <clears throat> what's important and photography for me, a lot of stuff with photography is all not not always, but recently been. It's a good fallback if something else isn't working out. I, I can pick up some fast money, mm-hmm. and really, that's not that's not the way I want to be a photographer. Yeah, you know, um, that's and that's how I felt when I when we first started talking. I was saying like. I'm not serving people properly. I'm not serving my, my photography clients with all the passion that I would serve them if I was all in on photography. And I can't dedicate the amount of, of effort and energy that I want to the coaching clients. If I'm spinning my wheels, you know, putting my feet in both buckets. And I think uh, in Jen Sincero's book, I don't remember if it was the badass at making money or the regular badass one. Mm -hmm. Um, She says the definition of the word decide is to cut off. So you cut off something there can't be a plan b you have to always be all in on plan a and there's so many there's so many people who have exhibited that behavior and gotten what they want out of life like jim carrey there's that famous story of him carrying a a ten thousand dollar check in his wallet for uh, acting services rendered right and it took him Mm -hmm. 10 years to do that but he went all in on it Mm -hmm. and that's i just i want to be all in now and that's how I'm starting to make decisions is go with, cl- close my eyes. What do I feel? Mm-hmm. Tap into that, my, what do they call it? Emotional guidance system. They call mm-hmm. that in Abraham Hicks book. Yep. How am I actually feeling about this decision that I want to make? And then have the freaking balls to make the decision and say, I'm not going to let my ego hold me into the photography. I'm not going to let all of these opinions of people who tell me how great my work is good. I'm glad my work is good because then when I coach people, they know, I know my shit. I'm sorry. (laughs) Sorry, Marlena. That's okay. I'm I'm, I'm, I'm the non-E guy. She hears plenty of it from me. I mean, loves to be able to put the E on the podcast thing, right? I mean, he just loves that. So, you know. You're making him happy. One time, Kelvin broke that seal in 190 episodes almost. <laughs> is this the first seat? Well, these are PG-13. There's one more, right? So there, there are three or four of them. Yeah. Three or four, yeah. But, it, but it's all right. But it's okay. It's worth it. <laughs> and it's not the only thing. Yeah. Okay, well, let's say audacity instead. If you have the audacity <laughs> to let go of the emotional ties you have to your plan B and get, get out of your fear... Get out of the what ifs, get, get out of the, who will think this of me if I make this decision and just make the decision entirely from what you want. You could even look at it like, okay, I'm going to picture Jessica a year from now mm-hmm. and I'm going to make her a separate person in my head. And I'm going to say, what do I want that Jessica to think of me? Mm-hmm. What do I want that Jessica to go through this year? Do I really want in a year from now, do I want that Jessica to look back and say, I wish I started now? 
Do I want that Jessica to continue to struggle, to continue to fight these decisions and say, oh, I don't know what I want to do. No, I want that Jessica to be freaking a, a boss. I want that Jessica to be like, yes, those were good decisions. Yes, that is exactly the path that I was meant to be on. And I want that Jessica to be a good role model for this Jessica. So in order for me to be that Jessica, I got to be that Jessica now. And I, <laughs> I got to say, I'm preaching. Was that, was that, was that Jen Sincero in that? Or no, that was me. That was me. Oh, who's, my, who's my avatar? Who do I want to be? I have to be that person now in order to get there. And I have to stop saying all of those doubts. I have to stop letting them be real in my head. Because we, we, we are what we make up, right? Your mouth determines who you are and your thoughts are, your mouth is just drippings from your brain, right? So paint that picture, script it out. <laughs> what do you want? And make the decisions that are going to get you there. I've never heard it that way, but that was graphic. That was, <laughs> that would have probably deserved an E all by itself. It's a... <laughs> you are what you make it's up. picturing my Speak. mouth dripping from my brain. That's like, oh, <laughs> that is bad. That's going up right here. You know, like, Yep. That's going up right on the whiteboard. Yeah, give me another picture. You make two of them. I don't think I can take credit for that. I'm pretty sure I heard that somewhere recently. So, well, if we find the source for the quote, we'll let you know. (laughs) Right. Uh, Yeah. For now, it's all yours. We'll attribute it to you for now. It's it's, it's fine. And I I listen to so many podcasts and I have so many influences from other things. So sometimes it all gets jumbled up of like, what? What was but you know, as soon as you idea. modify it, it's not stealing it anymore. You have mod- you have you have added value to it, and it is now yours. <laughs> no, but for real, I mean, if you really think about your future self in that way, where do you want that person to be? And you have to make the decisions to get there. So I, you know, in a way, it's almost like I would feel bad for Jessica a year from now if I don't if I don't do these things. I want to feel bad for my future self. That's uh, that's a very – Josh and I both have been through uh, a process called the Master Keys, Master of Mind Alliance. And one of the things that they teach us in that course is to become and to get comfortable with discussing ourselves with our future self. Like one of the exercises is, all right, um, my future self is going to be this. What would the person I intend to be do right now? Yeah. Right. And so I don't need to go like, through the course. I already got it. You got it. <laughs> I don't. I don't think you need to go through the course. Sounds like you. Sounds like you're on a on a smooth. Does she need to go through the course, Josh? I don't think so. Um, <laughs> you know. No things. So that's awesome. So you brought back so many things that I that I'm piecing back together now. Look, I'm 66 years old. I am not where I want to be. And I'm just deciding, okay, you know, you're going to live so many, so much longer. Now, we read a book by a guy named, uh, oh, God, Dan Sullivan, who talks about uh, living to year 146. You know, my plan to live to be 100, 146 might have been 156. And the biggest thing with that is, well, you know, if you're planning to die at 60 or 80 or something, you're going to be acting a certain way. But if you're 80 and you're planning to go to 156, you're going to be doing different stuff. You're going to, you're going to have a different mindset. You're going to mm-hmm. be taking care of yourself and so forth. All right. Mm-hmm. Well, I got 156, well, 146 right now. 
like firmly on my calendar. So I'm going to be around a while <clears throat> and, and, and I need to be vibrant and the guy that, uh, that I want to be. I, I, I speak with him occasionally in the future. We've had more conversations lately. After talking to you today, me and him, are we going to have a pow wow? Gonna say. <laughs> well, Calvin, Cal, Cal, you just said something a second ago, and this is something that I'm I'm learning to reframe in my brain. Is and this this started when I like I said that midlife. Um, I'm not gonna call it midlife crisis because I didn't go, you know, buy a convertible Jaguar or whatever. Right. A midlife transformation. I mm-hmm. think that's what uh, that's more like along the lines of what I'm going through. But you said I'm not where I want to be, mm-hmm. and when I wh- when I turned forty we, my husband and I were talking about selling our house and downsizing and becoming minimalists and going mortgage free and blah, 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 blah. And I was like, a, a lot of times until I learned this new process, a lot of times I would make decisions based on the negative things I was trying to get rid of and move away from. Mm-hmm. And I realized in this last year that of all the things that I've learned is we have to be always moving towards something. So let's say, for example, somebody wants to get out of debt they're constantly saying, I want to get out of debt. I want to get out of debt. And that's negative, right? Right. So what if they say, I'm working towards being wealthy, moving towards something. Mm -hmm. And we, because we're humans, we always have new desires, right? Mm -hmm. And so when you meet one desire, you get another one and another one and another one, because we just are constantly always wanting to improve the situations that we have. So if you look back at 20 year old Kelvin, and he looks at 66 year old Kelvin is 20 year old Kelvin going to say, Oh, you're not, you're not where I want to be. Probably not. You know, like if I look at my life right now, 20 years ago, I wanted to be married. I wanted to have kids. I wanted to have a nice house and a good job. So I have all of those things. So for me to say, I'm not where I want to be now, it's not fair because this was at one point what I wanted. So it's okay to evolve and say, I'm continuing to move towards other places that I want to be instead of saying I'm not where I want to be and look at it as a movement towards something instead of away from something. Good point. Right, and you get new information as you go too. I mean, you had no idea what at, at 20 years old, what having a couple of kids was like and you know, what maintaining a, a nice house is and, um, and you probably had no idea that you'd be living, um, you know, outside of Orlando instead of like, you know, in Western Massachusetts where you grew up, mm-hmm. it, it, you know, you're the, the, you've got kind of the, the big picture that you, you've got, okay, you checked off these things, but, but you didn't know about the details. So, you know, if, you know, did, did 20 year old Jessica also say, I want to feel like, I want to feel like, um, I love my, I love my night, my good job. Mm-hmm. You know, did 20 year old Jessica say, I want to be grateful for my kids. Um, <laughs> I am <laughs> I'm sorry. I promise. I what am you, grateful uh, for my kids. <laughs> what, what you, um, but, um, you know, but is that a feeling that you would have had then? Mm-hmm. You know, is that even a, is that even a word you were thinking about? No. Um, and half the time we, we say we want something, but actually what we want is the feeling. Right. Right. And we can't always express that. We can't always say, I know this is what I want to feel, especially if we've never felt it before. But going back to the not where I want to be thing, that even changes from day to day. So let's say yesterday I went out to eat at Pokeworks 
And then today I wound up back at Pokeworks. Am I going to say I'm not, I'm not where I want to be because my desire changed from yesterday to today? It's, a, it's okay. Your, your desires change every single day and they can change on a really, really small scale. Like whether you're going to have coffee or tea for breakfast, or if you're going to have, um, you know, go out to eat for dinner or cook at home, your desires change from day to day. So if yesterday I was where I wanted to be, and then I wind up in that same place again, I wouldn't say I'm, I'm not where I want to be. I would say, okay, I'm ready to change my desire and something new needs to come, or I'm going to make a different decision. Awesome. I like that. <laughs> what a again. <laughs> got the baby back it is yeah life, life is crazy you know it, I mean obviously maturity brings a lot of clarity and I you think you know what you want when you're younger but like I said it's not always an external circumstance you're really just looking for a certain feeling and sometimes you don't know how to attain that feeling and you have to get on a path and take steps until you finally find that feeling. And then you're like, okay, this is what I wanted. But then your desire changes, and you get on a new path. And then your desire changes again and you get on a new path. And it's okay to constantly be evolving. And it's okay to say, I did want this photography business. And now that I've had that feeling, I'm ready for a different feeling. And you don't have to have a negative reason to leave it all. And it is, it is true that once we have it, you know, at one point committed to something, we tend to feel like we should stay committed to that. And, and I guess there's a, uh, um, I think it's one of the things that Tony Robbins talks about in, in consistency, mm-hmm. right? Uh, people get to know you in one facet. And then when you change, they feel you've changed and you're no longer true to who you were when in actuality in these days becoming different becoming more is more authentically a, a part of who you really are than staying where you were when you've outgrown that position yeah so what you're saying is that val uh one of our societal values is commitment when people can exhibit that Sister. they're committed and consistent to something. So if you change, then you no longer have the respect of a certain portion of society because you kind of change the contract a little bit. Josh and I, when I first met him, we did a, uh, well, I did a podcast too on, on, I reserve the right to change. Mm. That just came out of a conversation I had with him like a long time ago over a music career he had or thing he was doing and, the way the story went at the time was um, he had told me at one point he had a CD and I said, well, how come I haven't heard it? I mean, you had a CD. I mean, and and he said one phrase, one sentence that kind of sent me off on a tangent. And it was that music no longer represents who I am. So sometimes and what I'm hearing you say, and you've demonstrated very well, that the music you were playing last year, that's not the music that represents who you are today. Mm-hmm. And many people struggle with that. Mm-hmm. You know, the music changed, so, you know, who am I? But the, in the reality, well, somebody told me that if you're the same person at 65 that you were at 25, you just had 40 wasted years. 
I think that was Muhammad Ali, actually. Mm. So, so growing, changing is good for us. Mm. It is. It's, it's, and, and this is the, what I'm calling the big pivot. The big pivot. I like that. The big pivot. So I'm, I'm kind of in the same place, but I'm turning and going someplace else. And all of the things that brought me to this place are going to help me get to where I want to go next. next. But yeah, we're growing and changing and evolving. And uh, I think a lot of people who want to change something are just stuck in fear. Mm-hmm. They're, they're doubtful and they're fearful. They're either, they don't have evidence that what they want to do is going to work. So they've gotten into a pattern of, I don't know what to say. So like, let's just say when I was 30 years old, if I got a new job, mm-hmm. I didn't have any doubts and fears of starting the new job, the, at the, you know, five years after, but the day I got the new job, I probably had doubts and fears. Mm-hmm. So if we could all just take a step back, like if you're, if you're in a position where you are ready to give some close a chapter on, on, on one thing and open a new book and write a new chapter or even an entirely new book, like this, this thing that I don't really want to mention yet is a hundred percent nothing to do with what I have ever learned or been trained for or, or whatever. So it's an entirely new book. Mm-hmm. When I started photography, I didn't have any evidence that it was going to work out mm-hmm. and I was fearful and doubtful, but I did it anyways. So we have to, if we're, if somebody is ready to close a chapter on something, they got to do it anyways and, and just say, okay, yes, I'm, fearful. Yes, I'm doubtful, but what can I do to remove those fears, remove those doubts? I can gain evidence. Well, how am I going to gain evidence that this is working out? I have to do it. I have to do it. I have to do it anyways. I have to say that's how I'm going to get evidence and that's how I'm going to get proof that this is working out because sitting there and waiting for somebody to just say, Hey, this is exactly the plan. And this is exactly how it's going to work out. We we have a look into your future is not going to happen. You got to take the steps, right? Got to close the chapter and move on. As as we say a lot here, you, they, almost no decision is irreversible. You know, you can try something new, and if worse comes to worse, it doesn't work out. You know what? You know what's really the worst that happens? You know, um, you know maybe, maybe you got to pay off a credit card. Maybe you've got to, uh, you know, get a get a part-time job that you didn't want to have for a little while. Um, you know, maybe you've got to go back to the drawing board and reconfigure, mm-hmm. but unless you're jumping off a mountain, um, you know, pretty much everything is, is reversible to some, to some extent. What yeah, happens? Squirrel can... suit? What happens? What? I said, I said, without the squirrel, if you're jumping off without the squirrel suit, you're really, uh... yeah. Well, I mean, <laughs> even, if, even if you have the squirrel suit, you know, once you're off, you're off, you can't, change your mind and go back to the top of the mountain. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but you're right. You can redecide. And when Tom and I were trying to decide whether we wanted to relocate from Massachusetts to Florida, I had so many so many like things holding me back when my mom is in Massachusetts and everything we know is here. And yes, I want to move to the warmer weather, but I'm going to miss all this stuff and I it, it, there was one day, I don't remember, we were like house hunting. I don't remember exactly like what was going on, but I just had this thing pop into my head. Like nothing's permanent. If we move to Florida and we try it for a year and I still don't like it, we can sell the house and move back to Massachusetts. There's no failure in that. You tried something. And mm-hmm. once I kind of accepted that nothing is permanent and I can redecide, 
everything has changed in my life. Cars. I don't know. I guess. Okay. Kids aren't reversible. I had a kid. I can't put that back. <laughs> but <It's pretty> <laughs> yeah, like if I, 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 yeah, I don't know. Not, nothing. You're right. You can re-decide anything you want, anytime you want. Yeah. And so many people get worried about time wasted. And, be, you know, I put so much time into this and it didn't work out. Well, you know, Did why you is that wasted time? You tried something and then you yeah. learned from it. So you only, the only thing you gained from that time was growth. So how can you consider it wasted time if you grew and you learned and you tried? And if you didn't do it, you'd always be looking back going, what if? What if I had just tried that? Would it have worked out? You won't know until you do it. Yeah. And, you know, sometimes it works out and you spend you know, more than a dozen years in a career you invented and, and then you have a pivot to make. Mm -hmm. um, so... When can people expect the the next thing? We um, we figured that we're going to release this January twentieth. Okay. Um, so, uh, well, is the podcast coming back? Is the blog going to be down up? Um, yeah. Okay. So the podcast is coming back. I okay. took a couple weeks off because I just did. Yep. Uh, so that's coming back, and that will probably come back. I don't have a calendar, but mid January. So okay. next week, I think next week. So It should be back um, about the time that this releases. And if not, then people yeah. can spend the week coming up, you know, listening to the other episodes that are already up. And the 15th or the 22nd, I'd like to record an episode on, on the four hours of silence and how I feel how powerful that is for making decisions for getting clarity on what you want. And then just overall your happiness in life. Okay, so the podcast is called Permission Granted with Jessica Connery, and that can be found on Stitcher, Apple, all of that stuff. And then the blog, jessicaconnery.com, currently is still up, and that is my photography site. We are going to be transitioning that over to my a new site, which will be Jessica Con also be jessicaconnery.com, but it's going to be focused on the Spark Method, which is my signature one-on-one -on -one coaching 90 day program where I walk frustrated photographers through the struggles that they're having in their business to turn their business into profitable things. Because honestly, what do you go into business for to make money? How are you going to make money by figuring out where your, where your time sucks and where your holes and your profits and stuff are. I have, I'm working on a couple of courses for this year and I just announced yesterday that I would like to do, I'm going to do a five week mastermind with newer photographers that will loosely walk them through that spark program, but it won't be one-on-one -on -one coaching. And I'm looking to start that at the end of this month as well. Great. And we'll have um, links to um, yeah, the, your website and the podcast and the, your Instagram account and awesome. Uh, everything yeah. else. I'm hoping to have the website done. I don't think the new website will be up until probably the second or probably the second week of February, partially because we are doing it ourselves, DIY website, which takes yep. a little bit of time. And then the next exciting thing for me is I'm going to Joshua Tree, California nice. uh, at the end of this month and meeting up with somebody that I met <laughs> on the internet. 
<laughs> to do a branding session and have a mastermind retreat weekend. And so the photos from that will be what I'm, I'm holding up the website for. So from now until then, I'm going to be working on the copy and arranging, you know, wireframing the website and making sure everything has its place to go into so that when I have the content, it can get up there. Awesome. Awesome. Some stuff I can't delegate. <laughs> <laughs> no, and, and well, it's that's good because I think personally we'd get really, really bored if we delegated everything. Everything. Well, yeah, <laughs> the trip to Joshua Tree is maybe something you shouldn't delegate. <laughs> Even if you had the opportunity, you should you should take that one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I've never been there before. I am so excited about it. So excited. Excellent. Excellent. Yeah. This has been a most invigorating podcast. Thank you very much for coming <laughs> to visit with us. Uh, I mean, Josh told me you were awesome, but he didn't say exactly how awesome you were. So Josh is pretty awesome himself. He's He's got his days. Anyway. My oldest friend. No, normally he asks this question, but I'm going to usurp his authority at this point. And I'm going to ask you, is there anything you wanted to tell us that we forgot to ask? That you forgot to ask? Well, I don't know what you forgot to ask because I'm not in your head. If I had to recap, basically everything that I've learned in the last year is pay attention to what you're paying attention to. If you're paying attention to things that are negative, you're just going to get more of that in your life. If you're paying attention to things that are positive, you're going to get more than, of that in your life. And stop interpreting things negatively. Stop making meaning where meaning doesn't exist. That's my life advice. That's awesome. Awesome. <laughs> Thank you, guys. This was, I love talking with, I could talk about this stuff all day, every day. I appreciate your time. I receive your words. And I thank you. And I can't wait to hear this in final form on the podcast. We're excited to get it up and we'll let you know when it's up so that, um, we can share and you can share and all that stuff. Awesome. Cool. All right. Bye guys. Have a good day. Have a good rest of your day. Good to see you. Hey, thanks for listening. Show notes and more at jkwdpodcast.com. Don't forget to subscribe, leave a review and share with your friends. We will see you next week. A Better Humanhood Production.